Hey, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Katie Caselli of Building Giants. That was episode six. If you missed it, no problem. You can go back and listen to it again. We're staying on the same theme today, which is how can you, as a training business owner, confidently answer the question, did my training work? With this in mind, I recently invited Kevin M. Yates to come on the show. Kevin is manager of learning systems at McDonald's Global Headquarters in Chicago and is a self-described data detective who looks for clues to prove that training and development programs have worked. This is episode seven of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Here's the music. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, and welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes. I'm your host. And this is the podcast for you, for training business professionals all around the world, helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today's guest, as I said before the music, is Kevin M. Yates, an internationally recognized expert in measuring the impact of learning. Let's hear what Kevin has to say. Kevin, good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's an early start for you, I believe. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an early riser, so no worries. Yeah, it's just a little after uh, 6 a.m. here in Chicagoland, but I'm usually up with the birds anyway, so no worries. <laughs> so you're in Chicago. It's been called the, the Windy City, the Second City, the Big Onion, uh, the city that works. What does Chicago mean to you? Yeah, great question. So, you know, for me, Mark, Chicago means home. You know, it means home based. You know, that sounds a little cliche, but it's true. And and so when I think about the work that I've done over the years in my career, Mark, particularly with the amount of travel that I've done and have been fortunate to have literally traveled across the globe. Uh, and I love visiting different cities and learning about different cultures and doing work in different countries. Uh, but for me, whenever I come back to Chicago, I always come back home and Chicago centers me. Um, it's my base. So it's that place that just really brings me back. So it's the city that I love. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's your kind of town. Sorry, that was a very bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's true. <laughs> so um, we have an international audience and... Um, Many people, including myself, have not yet been to Chicago. Although, I tell a lie, I was uh, in the airport once on the way to or way back from LA. Um, so, for people who have not yet been there, what exactly are we missing? So, I th- particularly at this time of year, Mark, and so it is summer, right? And in Chicago, we have pretty brutal winters. I mean, it can get you know bone chilling cold. And so I think that what you're missing right now, particularly this time of year here in Chicago, are wonderful festivals that take place throughout the summer. Those festivals take place in our neighborhoods. Those festivals take place on our waterfront along lovely Lake Michigan. And so the city just really comes alive during the summertime. And I believe that that's true because during the winter months, we, we literally hibernate like bears. And so I think that what you're missing right now are the wonderful food festivals, the book fairs, the music festivals. So 
you know, if you're going to visit Chicago, I highly recommend that you try to do it during the summer months. Right. And the reason I asked you on the podcast, actually, or rather invited you, and you, we were, you were very kind enough to agree to come on today's program, is that you're evangelical about uh, analytics and, and data and measuring the effectiveness of learning and development through, I suppose, through technology. Sometimes it's technology uh, and sometimes it's not, right? And so there are certainly... Uh, or rather, there is certainly technology in place uh, that helps us measure the impact of learning. Um, and, you know, and one of the things and one of the areas where I am most interested now is XAPI that really does a great job at helping us measure the impact of our learning ecosystems. But there are methods and practices that help us measure as well. So, you know, while there is technology, there's also methods, methods and practices. And so, for example, a few that I follow, Mark, uh, and I consider myself to be uh, method agnostic. <laughs> I just like to borrow the best of the best. So when you think about the Kirkpatrick model, you think about the Phillips ROI model, you think about the Center for Talent Reporting and the Talent Development Reporting model from David Vance, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So I like to combine methods with technology, but you aren't limited to technology to measure the impact. Does that make sense? It does. You mentioned something called XAPI. Yes, yes. So, so what is that for the uninitiated? <laughs> so I'll put it in layman's terms. Um, XAPI is a technology by which you can take a look at what is happening in the entire learning ecosystem and gain insight on how the learning ecosystem is impacting people's performance and business results. So when I talk about a learning ecosystem, I talk about not only what is happening in your LMS, for example, but also taking a look at where employees are going to get other learning and support resources. Like maybe an employee is going to YouTube on the internet, or maybe an employee is seeking out some type of white paper on the internet, or maybe they're looking at some other resources that are in the business that you might not necessarily consider to be part of learning, but is what they're using to help their learning. So XAPI brings all of those disparate data sources together and allows you to tell one comprehensive story about the performance, efficiency, and effectiveness of your learning ecosystem. Does that make sense? It does. So I, I presume API means application programming interface. Is that the same API? That's exactly it. Yep. And then the X stands for agnostic, literally could be anything. Experience. Experience. Oh, experience, <laughs> I right. I, I believe. <laughs> ah, okay. That makes sense. So looking at your, your CV, you've been in learning and development for pretty much all of your career, as far as I can see, with positions as um, diverse as Manager of Strategic Learning at uh, Grant Thornton and Director of Global Talent Development at Cantor Millard Brown. What originally um, attracted you to the world of learning and development? Very interesting story. And so my career in learning and development actually started in a classroom in a Chicago public school teaching second graders. (laughs) And it was their mark of teaching you know, eight and nine-year-olds that I realized that I have a passion for the transformation of learning and education. Um, Just seeing how through knowledge and learning, behavior can change, uh, performance can change, thought can change, really seeing that in a classroom, again, with second graders, uh, that is where the inspiration, I think, started for me as it relates to education. And so what I did, Mark, Um, is take that passion for teaching and learning and education into the corporate environment. 
Um, I started off as a day-to-day trainer, boots on the ground, six to eight hours a day, training in bankware applications and customer service. And then that just led to progressive roles throughout the function, doing things like instructional design and learning solution development, global learning, learning technology, learning operations. So it was really, uh, a re- rather, it has been a progressive journey in that, you know, it started as simple as being in a classroom with uh, second graders. Um, and that led me to where I am today. Okay. And I'd say, I'd say it's your intention to stay in learning and development then for the rest of your career. Absolutely. I have, I have found my sweet spot, as they say. <laughs> so what are some of the highlights of your career to date? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, one of the biggest highlights that I've had in my career, Mark, is having opportunities to work in different cultures and in different countries. And so for me, what really stands out is the time that I spent in Bangalore, um, in India. Um, and during the time that I was there, I was setting up some training academies for new hires in a marketing research and analytics business. And for me, that really stands out as, if not the highlight of my career, certainly in the top three or four highlights of my career, because it was the first time that I really saw that at the end of the day, no matter where we are in the world, um, the one thing that we have in common is our humanity. Um, and so even though it was a very different culture uh, for me um, and for the work that I was doing there, what I discovered is that we all want opportunities to learn and grow and develop um, in our careers. Um, and that is what we have in common, again, no matter where we are. So I think that that time that I spent in Bangalore building those training academies is really, you know, if not the highlight, <laughs> certainly uh, among the top. And it's something you might like to do again, something like oh, that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I would love to not only get back to Bangalore to see some old friends, but to do that same kind of work or, you know, maybe in another country where I've not had the opportunity to do that kind of work. I'd love to. Yes, certainly. <laughs> you describe yourself as a data detective who loves telling stories about learning and development with uh, the use of data and facts. What is your favorite story to tell? I have a few favorite stories, um, but I, I think the one that I like to tell the most is the one where I can absolutely attribute a change of performance or a change of behavior or a change in a business metric to learning, training, and development. So when I have the data, Um, And it is fact-based that unequivocally says, as a result of training, uh, as a result of professional development, we've seen people's performance impact a business goal in this kind of way, or where we can say training, learning, and development resulted in a change in a business metric. Uh, Being able to follow that chain of evidence, uh, follow those facts, and use data to tell that story, I think that that is when I am most excited because I do believe in the transformational power of training, learning, and development. And because of that belief, uh, I am most excited when I can support that belief with facts and data as evidence to unequivocally show where training, learning, and development is making an impact. Does that make sense? I think it does, yep. So, so technology it plays a role in this, but but not just technology. I think you also um, 
if I get this correctly, you've mentioned in one of your slideshows or, or uh, videos about uh, performance evaluations. Now, all trainers are used to happy sheets, these uh, things where we, you know, have to give out at the end of a training session and people comment about the food and the environment, but often we're missing the kinds of key questions which we should be asking in training evaluation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, Mark, that is an incredible opportunity. And, and so, yes, um, there are the traditional smiley sheets uh, that I'm sure you've received, and I've certainly received them after uh, a learning or training experience. And the, the, the greatest opportunity is to collect the right kinds of data that lets us know or that can provide a forecast for the extent to which that training or that learning experience will actually influence or change behavior and performance on the job. So for me, uh, when I think about the types of questions that you want to ask and the types of data that you want to collect, um, you want to ask the kinds of questions that will help you predict or forecast whether or not someone's behavior is actually going to change on the job. And I want to underscore and emphasize that it is a predictive metric or a forecasting metric, but one nevertheless that will give you immediate insight into the effectiveness of that learning solution or that training program or that learning experience. So if you ask the right kinds of questions, I believe that you can forecast or predict with a good amount of confidence and certainty um, the extent to which something is going to change or something is going to happen uh, that is different uh, as a result of training learning and professional development. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Um, again, I watched one of your videos recently, which I found very, very entertaining. You, you said in that that the question that people ask you the most about learning and development is, hey, Kevin, why don't more learning and development teams measure the impact of their work? And you believe that there are three, essentially three fundamental reasons. What are those three reasons? Yep, and those three reasons, Mark, are accountability, capability <laughs> and deniability, right? And so when I talk about accountability, um, what I speak to is the extent to which learning and development teams and organizations are held accountable for results, right? And that really starts at the top mark. And so when senior leaders and executives ask the learning and development team for data and evidence and proof that shows whether or not they're making a difference, Trust me, they will deliver it. <laughs> when it comes from the CEO and the CEO says, I want to see some facts for the impact that learning development is making, again, <laughs> I, I am pretty confident that the learning and development team will do that. So when it comes to accountability, one of the reasons that it's not happening is because we aren't held accountable in that way. Um, the second reason that I believe more teams aren't measuring is capability. Um, and that is by no fault of the learning development teams themselves. So the way I see it, Mark, um, measuring impact and using data and analytics for learning development is an art, a science, and a skill. Um, it's a very specific kind of capability or skill set. And so that kind of talent doesn't always exist on a learning and development team. So if the team lacks the capability to use data, analytics, and measurement to show insight, then obviously they can't do it. But, you know, there's a solution for that. Uh, there's a couple of solutions, one of which is you can hire the talent uh, because there are experts out there in the market that can help with using data and analytics uh, for learning development. 
Um, but then you can also build that talent on your team. So there, that's a development opportunity um, and a learning opportunity so that the team can learn how to do it. Um, and then the third reason for why I believe more teams aren't measuring impact is deniability. Ah, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> deniability, Mark. Yeah. So if if you don't know um, that I am not uh, producing results uh, and if I don't have to produce data that shows that I am re, um, you know, showing results, then then there's that deniability there. So in other words, uh, I don't have to produce the evidence that shows that I'm not making an impact. And so if I don't produce that evidence, then I can always rely on deniability. <laughs> so that, that's that's my least favorite reason, because, I, you know, I, I believe that learning and development teams are doing incredible work across the globe. Um, and so I don't believe that we need to fall back on deniability because, again, we are doing great work. We are making impact in the businesses in which we serve. So rather than, you know, deny those times where we don't believe we're making an impact, I say just just use data, uh, just use facts to show that you actually are making an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, I often wonder if that's one of the reasons why uh, training and development is one of the first things to suffer uh, when there are cuts internally in organizations. Maybe there are pressures externally, but one of the first functions to normally suffer is is training. Uh, and I wonder if that's because at the the decision making the c-suite level people don't feel there's a strategic requirement for it and that it can't be evidenced and therefore you know we don't really need training and development yeah you know that is a sad uh, reality i think for uh for our role in businesses we are the first or if not one of the first uh areas where there is uh, this view that we can cut back or that we can reduce expenses. Um, and, and that's unfortunate, again, because my experience tells me that learning and development teams are doing incredible work and are definitely making impact in the businesses where we serve. Uh, but without that data, Mark, and without those facts that tangibly show that we are making an impact, uh, we don't have the, the firepower, if you will, uh, that we can show to the business that says, yes, we are a valuable partner. Uh, yes, we are making a contribution to the business and here's the data to prove it. So, yeah, uh, fortunately, we are one of the first groups that, uh, you know, that might bear the brunt of reduction in expenses. But I, I don't believe that that's always the right thing to do. No, of course not. No. Um, so thinking of 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 the justification uh, for training and development, I've, I've often heard it said that, uh, you know, in conversation that the only thing worse than training people and watching them leave is not training people and watching them stay. And you could say that the only thing worse than training people and not measuring the effectiveness of the training is training people and pretending it works. What is the missed opportunity uh, or consequence if organizations do not correctly, competently consistently, reliably measure the impact of their training investment. Yeah, and I've touched on it a little bit with just talking about how, you know, we we bear the brunt of uh, impact when it comes to reducing expenses. So, you know, that's one of the consequences. Um, and then I'd also say, Mark, just, just to clarify, um, there is uh, a belief uh, that I've seen some learning development organizations have that relates to needing to measure everything. And so I would say that you do not need to measure everything more 
so than any other reason, probably just because you don't have time, re- resources, and opportunity. Uh, but for those training, learning, and development initiatives that are strategically tied to the business in a way that training is going to help the business achieve a goal, uh, those are the ones that you definitely want to measure. So to your question then, what do we miss when we don't measure impact? Uh, I think that the first thing that we miss is an opportunity to show to the business that we are a valuable business partner. Um, And just like other parts of the business that are driving toward goals and helping the business reach goals, so does training, learning, and professional development. So that greatest opportunity that we miss when we don't have the fact-based evidence that tells our story and that tells our story of impact, and you know, we're really missing that opportunity to demonstrate to the business our value. I think the other thing that we miss is an opportunity to inform decisions going forward about what works. And what doesn't work? So, you know, I often talk about the the good stories, right? The good stories where we can show that training, learning, and development makes an impact. But, you know, Mark, on the other side of that sits the story about those times where training, learning, and development does not make an impact. So what we miss when we don't measure and use fact-based evidence to answer questions is opportunities to stop doing what's not working and start doing more of what's working. Does that make sense? And does that answer your question? It does. Mm -hmm. It does indeed. I'm thinking that, you know, there are people out there, people who listen to this program who may belong to a small uh, training and development unit within a company. It could be four, five, six people, maybe less. Um, you touched upon capability. What can a team do if uh, they don't have the internal capability to to adequately measure the impact of training? That, that's a great question. And it's so interesting that you asked that because I've been thinking about that a lot lately, right? And so, you know, there, there are large organizations out there with these huge, robust learning and development teams that are focused on measurement and data and analytics. But I've been thinking about those businesses that are smaller, that may have a team of one <laughs> in learning and development, or may that maybe have a team of two in learning development, but it's not a large team, right? And so they don't have these large, robust, um, you know, methods and, and resources and such to focus on measurement, data, and analytics. So what do you do? What do you do if you're a team of one? Um, And I would say, Mark, if you are a team of one and you want to go on the measurement journey, my recommendation is pretty simple. Find one thing that you can measure in a person's behavior or performance that shows the extent to which um, training has changed that behavior and performance And let that be your first success story. So you don't have to measure everything. Again, if you're that one person, if you're one person, you're working on a team by yourself and you're thinking, ah, I got to start measuring impact. So to you, I'm speaking to you right now, (laughs) whoever you are, um, I say find one thing about a person's behavior or performance that you can attribute to the impact of training, learning and development. And let that be your start for telling your story about how training, learning, development impacts, uh, you know, people's performance in the business. Does that make sense? It does. What kind of things come to mind then, um, just off the top of your head? Yep. So if I think about that scenario that I just described where you want to measure performance, I think the first thing you need to be really clear about 
is where the learning solution or the learning experience is expected to impact performance or change behavior. So is it expected to help a person lead in a better kind of way? Um, is it expected to help a person perform maybe in some type of, like if you're in a manufacturing environment, for example, you know, maybe you're expected to do something different in your manufacturing process, or maybe you're expected to sell differently, or maybe you're expected to administer dosage differently, like if you're in a hospital or something like that. So the essence of what you want to do is just take a look at that specific skill or capability that is expected to change as a result of training, learning, and development. And when you can identify that specific skill, behavior, or change, you can then say, how is training supposed to help this person do something different? And so then if you start to see that person do something different, you can then begin to make the different types of attributes to training toward changing that person's behavior that is appropriate. Because what we know, and, and I, I've used the word appropriate deliberately, because training by itself doesn't change a person's behavior performance, but it is a part of why a person's behavior may change. So if you can dive into that, take a look at all the different ways in which a person's behavior can change and pull out, if you will, the extent to which training contributed to that, then I think that that's where you can start on that journey. Yeah, would, would that take the form of a report or a video or some uh, data from a spreadsheet? I'm just thinking because there are people out there listening to this who are, you know, as you as you referred to, one one person bands, they're, they're a, a single trainer or maybe they're a small training company. They may not have the capability or the first clue uh, to find evidence, uh, where would they start in terms of, you know, just getting to grips with this concept of of having data-driven training? I can come along to a prospective client. Uh, I go along to meet uh, a company I hope to work with, and they say, show us some evidence that your training works. What kinds of stuff could they come up with quickly? Uh, I know you've pointed us in the direction, but let's just get a bit specific here. What would, what would be readily... Uh, what would readily come to mind for a, a one or two person company who hasn't the first clue about data analytics? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the first thing that comes to mind for me is something as simple as a survey, right? And, and let's not devalue um, the data that can come from surveys um, because we can get some very valuable, very actionable data that comes from surveys, right? And so if you can start with something as simple as, you know, maybe even something that's free, like a survey monkey, <laughs> for example. Now, again, if you're that small team, uh, don't have a lot of resources, SurveyMonkey is free. So if you want to begin to uh, collect some qualitative and even quantitative data, you can start with something as simple as a SurveyMonkey that asks the right kinds of questions that will help inform decisions about uh, what you can do with uh, learning and development and that will show how learning development is making an impact. So, you know, again, Start with something as simple as, say, a survey monkey. The other kinds of data um, that we shouldn't uh, lose sight of is qualitative data. And qualitative data can come from something as simple as a focus group or an interview. So you can gather people in a room. You can talk to them about their training experience. But then you can also talk to them about the impact of that training experience on their performance and their behavior. So that is another way in which you can gather and collect some credible, uh, credible data. And it's low to no cost because the essence of what you're doing is just pulling people in a room and you're collecting some attitudinal and experience data from the target audience. So, you know, again, and that's a great question, Mark. If you're thinking about where to start, you know, you're a small team, don't have a lot of resources. 
you know, I would say take a look at where you can start using survey data. Again, maybe even use something free like SurveyMonkey, but also collect some attitudinal real-time data from focus groups and from interviews from people within the business. And those are two reliable, credible data sources. Does that make sense? Does that help? It does, yeah. Yeah, luckily you have a free guide which our listeners can download. It's called How to Forecast Training Results, 10 Questions uh, That Predict Performance Impact. What will someone find in that guide? I think that what they'll find are ways in which they can use surveys to predict the extent to which training, learning, and development will make an impact on a person's behavior or performance. And the other thing that they will find is ways in which you can visualize that data. So right now, you know, the, the buzzword in, in the industry is telling stories and, and using data to do it. And one of the ways that we do that is by visualizing the data. So in that resource, Mark, what you'll find, in addition to the kinds of questions uh, that you can ask to forecast performance, are examples and recommendations for how to visualize that data. And then the third thing that you'll find with that is where the action is as a result of collecting that data. So you just don't want to collect data for the sake of collecting data. Um, you want that data to inform decisions, provide insight, you know, guide recommendations. So in that guide, uh, Mark, you'll also find some thoughts and recommendations for how to make that data actionable. Right. And so you mentioned the word visualize. Um, so visualize literally means uh, coming up with a way to show it graphically so that people can understand the story when it's in a visual format. That's exactly it. And, and so, you know, reporting numbers is fine. Uh, but when you can give those numbers life with a picture, and by picture, I mean, you know, a graph or, you know, some type of imagery that tells that story, I think that it makes the story that much more powerful. Um, when we, you know, when we were little kids, our mothers and fathers at bedtime would read to us bedtime stories and show us the pictures in a book, right? <laughs> so I think that that's where that desire um, or that inclination for pictures started. And so I think that even today, we can continue to gain uh, the attention of our audiences when we tell stories and use visuals to do it. So there are recommendations in that guide for how to use uh, charts and graphs to create that imagery. And speaking of stories uh, or, or talking, um, you gave a talk at the ATD, uh, which which for the people who do not know what that is, and, and I didn't until about a year or two ago, shame on me, um, is the uh, Association for Talent Development. Is that right? That is right. And, and it is a global organization. And so uh, that uh, conference, the International Conference and Expo, was held just this past May. Um, a very exciting experience for me. Um, Barack Obama spoke at that conference, so I'd like wow. to say that he opened for me. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's another story to tell. And so the ATD, uh, quick shout out to the ATD, is a global learning and development or talent development organization. Uh, changed its name, I think, a couple of years ago to, I suppose, really encompass the global aspect, no longer focused on the states alone. But uh, it's a very, very uh, successful organization, runs a load of courses, certification programs for uh, trainers. And uh, you gave a talk at that, but you're also scheduled to give a talk in September in London, which is not very far from me. And this is a course, or rather a talk organized by the Learning 
and Performance Institute. Uh, can you give us a kind of a sneaky preview without giving, giving the game away of, of, you know, what you'll talk about uh, at that conference? In other words, if someone's listening to this and would like to come along, what would you talk about that might interest them and, and get them to come along to the event? Yeah, and thank you for that. I am super excited to, uh, to be in London in September on the 5th and the 6th with uh, the Learning and Performance Institute's Learning Live event. And so what I will be talking about is using data and facts to tell learning and development story. You know, I think that right now, Mark, more than ever, uh, facts matter. So what I'll be talking about is how do you collect facts that show whether or not training, learning, and development is making a difference, and how do you use those facts in a way that is credible, um, and how do you use those facts in a way that allows you to speak with confidence about the extent to which training, learning, and development is having an impact in the business. So if you're going to be in London on September 5th and 6th, stop by. <laughs> and will any of that uh, footage be uh, available online at some point? I'm not exactly sure if it will be recorded or not. Um, I hope so, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Um, so thinking of the, the future of data analytics, I'm going to lend you my time machine uh, so that we can see what's coming down the tracks uh, in your area. What does the near future and maybe the future beyond that hold for data-driven performance measurement in the world of learning and development? Is there anything we should be excited about? Yeah, I think that we should really be excited about the thoughts around learning ecosystems. Uh, because historically, we thought about training, learning, and development as just really existing only with what training, learning, development teams offer, right? So the courses that we offer or the e-learning that we build or the webcast that we host. And so the thought was always that training and learning development are the only ones who can offer that out to the business. So what's changing now, Mark, is that people are, in addition to what is offered by training and learning development, people are also seeking out other kinds of resources and support that helps them build knowledge and that helps them build capability uh, for their roles in their businesses. So when we think about a learning ecosystem, we think about everything that happens day to day within a business or even outside of the business that supports learning. So for me, when I look down the line and I look at the future, I see where we will be looking at learning ecosystems in its entirety, all the things that are happening around the person that a person is doing to support his or her own growth, learning and development. And I think about ways in which with new and emerging technology, will be able to measure within that learning ecosystem how training, learning, development, professional growth, personal growth is actually helping people day-to-day -day in their roles, on their jobs, and the businesses that we serve. So for me, in the future, I'm, I'm just excited to see what learning ecosystems um, will do, not only for people, but will do for us as a profession. And on some levels, Mark, the future is now because we're already seeing where learning ecosystems are emerging and helping do all those things that I just talked about. Where can our listeners find out more about you, Kevin? Yeah, so I would invite uh, invite our listeners <laughs> to take a look at my website. Go out to kevinmyates.com. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Kevin M. Yates. Uh, I am on Facebook, uh, Kev M. Yates. I have a YouTube channel, 
And then certainly feel free to uh, join and follow me on LinkedIn. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the program this morning, Kevin. Thank you for your time, Hayes. This has been absolutely fantastic, and I appreciate you inviting me. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for speaking to us live so early this morning from Chicago. And to you, our listeners, thanks for your time again this week. Make sure you subscribe to the show for training business talk with experts like this every single Thursday. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because, of course, this helps us to promote the show and to attract the kinds of guests of the caliber of Kevin and others who can help you with your training business journey. Check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and of course, on our website, which is www.trainingbusiness.com. We look forward to your company again next Thursday. So until then, have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.